0: Maple Street, in the last calm and reflective moment, before the monsters came. It's coming from Mars. Mars? They're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs>
1: hey everyone, welcome to Pod Monsters from Mars, a bi-weekly podcast where we break down and discuss our favorite aspects of horror, sci-fi, and pulp fiction. I'm Bobby. <laughs> And I'm
0: Trey, just drinking some coffee here.
1: I caught him off guard. We'll be discussing all manner of subgenres, tropes, archetypes, uh, in an effort to figure out what makes them so captivating, what keeps us coming back for more, and overall, what kind of impact they have on the world around us. So we decided when we were starting this thing up that we were going to start with ghost stories namely haunted houses. I think there might be room down the line for like a non haunted house ghost episode yeah. or two, depending on how we, how we, how niche we get with these subgenres. But we opted to start here for a couple of reasons. One is I feel like ghosts are the most classic of the horror genre. Mm-hmm. And because Trey has some personal experience <laughs> dealing with ghosts, who are you going to call Trey? <laughs> oh,
0: wow. Uh, I was going to call my aunt, but she seemed not to care. Um, well, yeah, listen, I I don't for people listening, I don't believe in this sort of stuff, all right? Um but uh it was a while back, I was a I was a little baby, baby Trey, and uh me and the family went to Florida to visit an aunt. Um and she was staying in a in a, you know, new a new uh house that they just moved into and you know, we went down to kind of visit myself, a lot of the cousins, and we all went out uh, I believe we went to Disney or something whatever you do in Florida and then we came back and everybody kind of fell asleep on the couch watching TV and as I fell into a deep sleep, I woke up in the middle of the night and no one, the people who fell asleep around me weren't there anymore, right? Everybody bounced. They went to their own separate rooms. And I was like, oh, God, they left me alone? Like, whatever. Because, you know, what's the, what's going to happen to me? Like, it's no ghosts. I didn't think ghosts exist. So I was like, all right, cool. I just got up in this, found a room, uh, went and laid down in a bed, you know, nice and cozy. Now, this was in 19, the early 90s. Uh, so you know we didn't have flat screen TVs. There were like you know the box TVs. Everybody had the little wooden with the wooden box around it and the, the tube TVs. That's what the tube TV, the tube TVs. Right. Uh, the one that was like a piece of furniture like it sat on the floor. Exactly. It yeah, was So big. It was so big. Um, so yeah, I go in the room. I go to sleep. I lay down. You know. Close the lights. You know. Cover myself in the blankets. And uh, as the night went on, I started to feel like the bed like 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 dip, especially by my head. Like there was someone sitting by. My head on the bed. So my head would kind of like roll to the left. Um, so I was like, get up. And I'm like, how was that? You know, I roll to the other side. As soon as I rolled to the other side, the same thing happened on the other side. So I was like, okay, what the hell's going on? No big deal. What could it possibly be, right? It's just like the floor is uneven. <laughs> you know, it happens. Uh, then all of a sudden, the TV goes on. Now, like I said, it's early '90s, so the TVs shouldn't be going on in the first place. And it's tuned to. <laughs> it's tuned to fuzz. And still, me not believing and thinking that—that's the last thing in my head is thinking, "Oh, this is a ghost. This place is haunted." I was like, "Oh, TV went on." Okay. Turn the TV off, and I had to get up to turn the TV off. That's that's how strange it was that the TV went on in the first place. I go back to lay down in the bed, and then at that point is when I started to feel like the hair stand up on the back of my neck. And to let you know what that feels like. It, it it feels like someone's almost like tickling you in the back of your neck. Like you feel it. It's like it feels like, like like even though it's not a hand there, you just feel this kind of like tickling sensation in the back of your neck. So I feel that, and I but I still can't really put it to you know a ghost. Then the bed went up and down. And a, like it just it like it a slight little like a, like like someone lifted it and dropped it oh okay like very slight like probably like an, barely an inch off the ground which is enough like a hop for me. Little- Boop. Yeah, enough for me. I was out. <laughs> Still not believing in ghosts, but I'm out. <laughs> like I just ran out. I went in. I, I went into the kitchen. I fell asleep on the floor in a curled position. Um, and at that point, that's where everybody found me in the morning. My aunt, especially, she found me like like curled up in a ball in the middle of the kitchen. Um, and at that point, I had, you know told her because I, I had no shame. I was like, you know, this is what happened. Um, and she responded to me with like, you know, no one sleeps in that room because when they first moved in they found that room to be a little and and my my aunt is 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 an aunt of a cousin. I don't know. What would you, what would you call that? Uh, <laughs> uh. Like my cousin's aunt. She was not my blood aunt. You know what? In my family, we just call them aunts. aunts. Yeah.
1: She's from Honduras. Yeah, and we got those people too.
0: They're very, she was super religious and, uh, you know, they did not go in that room because the room was always closed because they felt like that room had spirits in it. <laughs>
1: um, so yeah, I mean, that's really interesting though, because I, I gotta say like my general stance on ghosts and spirits and stuff, like my family's sort of superstitious that way. A lot of of them believe in psychics Mm -hmm. and you know that people are watching us you know our our ancestors or whoever that they're around and things like that and i you know when it comes to the idea of ghosts especially in the context of like a ghost story yeah i feel somewhat mixed feelings you know like Mm -hmm. i want it to be true i think it'd be pretty awesome if ghosts were real i don't really think they are i'm very skeptical um but you know spooky stuff's cool i find spooky stuff really cool and interesting and it would be great if like ghosts were real I'm just not convinced,
0: you know, that they are. I mean, if if they are real, there's been plenty of places we can go to see them.
1: Well, yeah. And we'll get to that in a moment because we that's one of the hallmarks. Right. is yeah. like, where do we find them? That's but right. if we're going to talk about horror stories, I feel like real estate is the real horror of yeah. all of it. And ghost stories, haunted house stories are super inherently real estate stories. Right. Because yeah. it so often opens with like a real estate agent showing people around. And it's always these people who think they're get who like. Think they're lucked out. They're like, oh man, this big giant house is, we shouldn't be able to afford this, but we can. I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, it reminded me of a joke that Eddie Murphy had in one of his stand up specials from like back in the 80s where he's talking about like haunted houses and he's like, yeah, you know, the problem is that white people stay in the house. He's like, if I'm looking at a house and their agent's like, oh, hey, yeah, you know, there's this, there's that. And then there's just a voice that goes, get out. <laughs> he's like, I'm oh, sorry, honey, we gotta go. We gotta
0: go. The house says, get out. I'm getting out. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> yeah. The, <it's> like, <laughs> the writer is like writing the movie is like, well, they left the family left already. I, I can't write anymore.
1: It's like, I think this family is just really practical. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: that was that was before the uh, the bubble burst. I think, yeah, before the bubble burst. Yeah. Because you're running somewhere else. Now that bubbles burst. Yeah. I'm, I'm staying. You're like, I'm gonna figure this out.
1: Well, yeah. Imagine that. Right. Like the horror of the real estate crisis that happened was that people had everything they, all their value, all their worth, their net worth or whatever was tied up in their house. It was the only thing they had to value. They couldn't sell it. So imagine that, like the economy trapping you in your haunted
0: house. house. That's fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) And imagine like, (laughs) you know, like, especially if that, you know, like them telling their friends and it would be, it would be an interesting movie to watch. Like someone who isn't your typical, uh, all American family living in a haunted. I would love to see that. Like there would be it was a lot of different ways you can go with the way that their friends deal with it, the way that they deal with it.
1: Yeah, that could be really cool. And like I said, even like bringing in that economic thing to be like, well, we can't even get rid of this house. Yeah. We're stuck
0: here. We're stuck here. Like-
1: <laughs> I mean, it's always these big grand houses, mm-hmm. right? That you would think someone rich would live in right? But they they tend to not be rich families. They tend to be like middle class families Mm -hmm. who think they finally moved up, Yeah, you know, and that actually makes it kind of sad, right? It's like it's kind of fucked up because it's like, oh, you know, here you are thinking you finally made it, right? Like you hit the big time and then your house is haunted and your life is hell and somebody's possessed by a demon, you know, whatever the case is. (laughs) It's just like, man, that was not worth it. That was not worth it at all. (laughs) Another thing that I wanted to draw on from TV is The Twilight Zone, Mm -hmm. which... I will probably reference a ton yeah, throughout the life of this podcast. It's, it's, I just feel like it's one of the most like seminal, yeah. amazing shows ever to be made. It's probably my favorite TV show ever. Uh, I would call it maybe the best TV show ever. It's just so good yeah. and so original that no matter what we're talking about, there's probably gonna be a Twilight Zone that can re- that we mm-hmm. can relate to it. In this case, it's the episode Long Distance Call w- about a boy who has a toy phone that allows him to speak to his dead grandmother. Mm-hmm. And that, while it's technically not a haunted house, house story i guess it's a haunted toy i don't know if you co- like if it falls into that realm but it's probably the closest that the twilight zone got to a haunted house story mm-hmm. and upon re-watching it it's so fucking dark it's pretty dark for a television show yeah made for a mainstream audience in 1961
0: yeah. Dark. Yeah. Super <laughs> dark. But you know what you know what it did? I mean, what it what it does time and I don't know if I can't I can't remember if you went into like what is like you about the grandmother and
1: Well the quick recap is that yeah. the boy talks to her on the phone and the grandmother from her side of the conversation mm-hmm. is trying to convince him to kill himself so that they can be together
0: forever in the afterlife. And I think that that also ties into why uh, haunted houses or ghosts are so prevalent in, you know, culture is, is that you don't want to let go. Mm -hmm. Um, So technically like this, this story was his grandmother and her, and her grandson, but apparently the grandmother, as I watched it, wasn't really too fond of the mother. Yeah, Um, she felt like she took her son away from her. Exactly, so she took her son away from from her, and then so she she had a grandson, and she didn't want to let go of the grandson. The grandson didn't want to let go of the grandmother. Um, and that was kind of like this whole like, you know tug and pull between like life and the afterlife and like family dynamics, which often factor
1: really heavily into like the ghost story Mm -hmm. is just sort of the dynamics of the family and stuff like that. And I mean, honestly, like when I was watching it, I found it really moving to watch because while I'd seen it several times over the years, I guess I had forgotten about the convincing the kid to kill himself part yeah and just remembered like the basic oh yeah he has a phone talks to like ghosts whatever and so i'm watching i'm like damn she's trying to convince him to kill himself that's pretty messed up and then he's trying to do it yeah and that's the other crazy thing is, just, is that it's working but this was probably the first time that i watched it no this was definitely the first time i watched it since i became a parent and i was just like so gut-wrenched at the end when like the father so the so the kid uh throws himself into like a pond mm-hmm. and nearly drowns but the paramedics came and they've got him on some kind of machine they're not if he's going to make it and the father is so like at his wits end at the concept of potentially losing his son that he goes up to the room picks up the little toy phone and goes on this whole touching monologue begging his mother to give him back right to let him live yeah and it just hit me like holy shit how messed up and distraught must you be yeah to go pick up that toy phone and beg the ghost of your mother to give back your son you know what I mean?
0: Like whether you believe it or not, because I think the, the mother at one point like picks it up and, and claims she hears breathing. Because you never hear the grandmother. Yeah, at all you don't hear
1: the, the grandmother, but the mother does think it they do think it's real because yeah. she hears the breathing. But like e- even then, the father was never convinced. No, he was always very skeptical. He was telling the kid like, "Oh, I know you. I know you're pretending to talk to your grandmother mm-hmm. to make yourself feel better. Don't do it in front of your mother. It upsets her. Don't do it in front of your mother. Yeah, it was a very like '60s thing. Like, don't <laughs> upset your mother, you know. But to me, I think like, I thought about it. I put myself in that character's shoes and I was like, yeah, you know what? If it was my kid on like potentially her deathbed, mm-hmm. I'm going to pick up that fucking phone. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, don't care. It's it, you're doing anything. You know, like it's, it seems ridiculous. It seems almost laughable, yeah. but it's like, is it any different than like saying a prayer yeah. or going to church and lighting a candle? Yeah. Like it's a, it's a, it's a leap of faith just in the context of something that seems almost ridiculous.
0: Like, and it's also something you can still, you can still lay blame, right? So even if the, the, that whole thing is all fake and the child still dies, you, you're now angry at the, Dead grandmother, right? So it's like it's like you're 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 not looking at the fact that oh y- your babysitter was negligent initially to let the baby that the kid run outside initially. I think the first time he got hit by nearly got hit by a car. He almost got hit by a car. right yeah. So like you're you're ignoring the babysitter n- being negligent, and then your negligency of letting the child jump in the in the pond uh, in the pond. <laughs> like with, but no no no, it's the grandmother. You know sh- she's making him do these things, so it's like part of that you know like when you think about it it's another part of you know the history of Mm -hmm. these like hauntings and 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 possessions and a lot of it is in your mind and a lot of it is like also laying blame on something else
1: right yeah and it also ties in a bunch of the common themes that you often see in the haunted house story uh like i said even though this wasn't Strictly a haunted house. Mm-hmm. You see family dynamics like we just mentioned, right? Yeah. But you also have um, the you have faith as an issue, mm-hmm. which you know the father picking up the phone is kind of a leap of faith, believing yeah. that it's real. You know, instead of just the typical, oh, you're crazy, you're pretending, you're traumatized, whatever, right? And um, this one, um, it's dealing with trauma. It's yeah. how it's how the kid is processing the loss of a beloved relative because remember he's only five years old. Mm-hmm. That's got to be his first experience with probably any lost relative, let alone someone that close to him. Yeah. So anyways, we're going to talk about ghost stories and we're going to do so by discussing a few different like movies and things like that and those movies will be, uh, the haunting of hill house mm. the show on netflix the new one from 2018
0: uh it was a really great series did you watch it trey i watched one episode so far oh that's as far as you got i as you as got a little deeper got, no, no no, i got one episode in um but it kind of gave me an idea of what the whole entire show is about so i haven't gotten fully in, invested in so you got to get episodes. in there yeah. you got to get into those later
1: episodes man, man, it's not... mind-blowing by the end
0: another thing i forgot to tell you guys in the beginning of this uh podcast when we we're doing our promo I do not like scary movies. I am scared shitless of scary movies. So the problem is I work odd hours, so I get home really late. So the last thing that someone who's afraid to watch scary movies wants to do is sit down and watch one at like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. So you get into it and you're like, let me pause this real quick. uh, I'm going to go walk around and turn on all the lights. And my wife is like, why are the lights on? It's 12 o'clock at night. You need a palate cleanser. I need a palate cleanser, man. It's not easy for me to just make it from the beginning to the end. Like, it's not easy, Okay. (laughs) So just bear with me. So anyways, we're going to talk about
1: that. That's by uh, Mike Flanagan, who who's done some good horror stuff. He, he did um, Gerald's Game Mm. on Netflix. Uh, He did a movie called Hush, another movie called Oculus. Uh, And we're also going to talk about Poltergeist, which is Mm -hmm. a pretty classic example that in some ways I think breaks some of those conventions that we just talked about a little earlier or that we will talk about soon. Um, Poltergeist was directed by Toby Hooper, produced by Steven Spielberg, Um, we're also going to talk about a more recent movie called I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House Mm -hmm. which I thought was just amazing. It was like a really great bare bones, like simplified movie, uh, written and directed by Osgood Perkins, who, uh, you may know is the son of Anthony Perkins. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Also known as psycho killer Norman Bates. That's right. Yeah. So that was, that's cool. He's got, he's got some horror pedigree to him, but he did such a good job with it. I, I really look forward to seeing what else he does. Uh, and we're going to talk about the conjuring, uh, which I thought was a really good example of a haunted house movie. Um, I didn't expect to like it quite as much as I did, but I liked it a lot. Yeah. I liked that. It was good. And that one's directed by James Wan, who did Saw. So anyways, those are the movies we're going to talk about in the hopes of uh, getting to the heart of of this genre, basically. And some of the things that we see in these movies and these genres uh, are common themes in a lot of them. Uh, so, <laughs> Trey, you hinted at this earlier, which is that these ghost stories tend to be on the site of terrible things, Mm -hmm. right? Bad things happened in these places and they continue to happen as an echo or or a reverberation of those bad things. You Mm -hmm. get ghosts that are very unhappy uh, in their afterlife. And part of that is this opening quote from I am the pretty thing that lives in the house, I think really does a good job of touching on that. Uh, It's kind of like a really slowly spoken monologue uh, voiced over at the very beginning that where the main character says, I've heard myself say that a house with a death in it can never again be bought or sold by the living. It can only be borrowed from the ghosts that have stayed behind. That's the gist of it. She Mm. goes on a bit more um, to say some other things that I think like are worth noting in terms of haunted houses. For example, she says to go back and forth, letting out and gathering back again, worrying over floors in confused circles, tending to their deaths like patchy withered gardens. They have stayed to look back for a glimpse of their very last moment of the very last moments of their lives, but the memories of their own deaths are faces on the wrong side of wet windows smeared by rain impossible to properly see there is nothing that chains them to the places where their bodies have fallen they are free to go but still they can find themselves held in place by their looking for those who have stayed their prison is their never seeing and left all alone this is how they rot so i thought that was kind of interesting because it on in the first part is exactly classic ghost story right Mm -hmm. it's a house with a death in it, yeah, is always going to have the ghosts left behind. But at the end, it's saying that they're not tied to the house; they can go whenever they
0: want. But they're too busy looking around. But they're too hung up on the the bad event. And yeah.
1: I think that's an interesting take on it. What do you think?
0: I think that's that's the one thing that really got me tied to this movie was because this movie was a lot of um you know it was a lot of waiting in this movie right a lot of like space a lot of quietness yeah it's Um, like all atmosphere all atmosphere but i what i what i love is that it 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 kind of revamped what the ghost story really is because it's saying it's telling you the ghost story from the perspective of the ghost right and like what it like what it means to be right no one's ever sat down and said oh this is what it means to be a ghost it's like constant looking and all this different stuff like you don't understand and that they're not tied to a particular place Mm -hmm. no one invented rules for the ghost everything has a rule right every like dracula all these different movies have like rules that they have to go by stake in the heart yeah you know what i mean and it's just like but ghost stories there's no like rule behind the ghost like why the ghost is here why the ghost doesn't move you just automatically just accept it um in new york city people listening washington Square Park is the most, the most amount of deaths are around it. Right. right. The, the triangle, uh, shirtwaist factory, 145 people dead, 58 women jumped to their deaths right there. Someone uh, does a walking tour, like a Halloween, it, yeah. like
1: horror story, walking tour yeah. of that area. So,
0: and then you also have, what is it? The, uh, the death house, I think it was called. where you had, like Mark Twain, like 50, 22 people died in his house. Wow. So like it's, ha- it's haunted by 22 people. That's the same area. And don't forget the fact that, you know, even up to like a, couple of months ago somebody OD'd in that park like people you know throughout the years a lot of deaths in that park
1: yeah and it also was like the heart of the city Mm -hmm. like a hundred years ago so it was like super
0: packed it it wasn't just like nyu yeah super (laughs) packed so it's like you know when you if you go by the rules at that pretty little thing um, went by, you would see tons of them just walking around. Just like, I mean, it would be, it's kind of amazing. I, I though you would never see it. It's way too lit, but if it was like the lights were off and say you just see like all these just ghosts just walking around aimlessly, bumping into each other, just looking yeah. or whatever, just tied to this particular space. Well, it's so interesting it's because of so
1: often we hear it referred to as like something bad happened here. Mm-hmm. But I'm the pretty thing that lives in the house, presents it as all you need is for someone to have died there. yeah, that's, that's it. enough. That's enough. because actually, like, you know, um spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it, I really highly recommend you see it. but. There is nothing gruesome in this movie. You know what I mean? Like, you know, from the jump that the main character is going to die. She says it in like one of the first like five minutes. You know, Mm -hmm. she says that kind of like really eerie foreshadowing line. Like three days ago, I turned 28. I'll never turn 29. Um, So, you know where this is going from the start. It's like you said, it's from the perspective of the ghost Mm -hmm. before she's a ghost. And it's just super interesting to me that. Nothing. There's not even a lot of like creepy ghost stuff. No. There's like maybe two or three things that you're like. Maybe. Oh, yeah. weird. You know, right. there's not a ton of it. It's like it's all atmosphere. It's long shots just staring at dark hallways yeah. where you're just waiting for a thing
0: to jump out. And sometimes something's there. Yeah. I I. I mean. I'm going to make sure to put spoiler before we, we, when we, so we're going to, so you, so for someone who's now, who is still listening uh, um, and you, you know, like, don't worry about it. If you're still listening right now and you didn't get the spoiler alert. um, But there's like certain things you look, when you look into the dark space, you'd see these little white little like particles sometimes. Mm. I was like, because I saw it once in the beginning when they were doing the beginning and I was like, oh, I'm just going to stare into this darkness because this, this, this director is not just going to do that one and they're going to try and give you these little Easter eggs. See, I didn't catch those, but I was so on the hunt for it.
1: Good. Like when we're looking at that dark hallway, so I was looking hard. Yeah. I was hard. like, what what's in there? Like I was waiting for like a shadow. I mean, according to like a YouTube video that I watched mm-hmm. um, about the haunting of Hill House, mm-hmm. there's a lot of that in there too. So good. Where there's just like something that like they showed like still frames where mm-hmm. it's like it's you're looking at someone in the foreground, but in the background there's like a figure. Yeah, and it's like intentional things. I'm like, damn, I did not pick that up when I was watching it, but I'm like, glad I saw this video pointing it out.
0: Like the end, the ending of it was amazing. When you said that was the most, that was the clearest you saw. Yeah. That was it, but that person was always around. Yeah, because that's the spot so where the mold was. Good.
1: That's the same yeah. spot of the hall where the yeah. where the black mold was. But the really other cool thing about it too is like the ghost isn't terrorizing. No. the person. The ghost is just there, just doing his doing his ghostly deeds. Yeah, this. just walking that hallway. Yeah, you know, just doing whatever she's doing. It's the main character who's very like nervous and anxious and i think it's her own sort of pathology that mm-hmm. that leads to her dying there and her becoming the ghost because she says early on i scare easily mm-hmm. you know like you see she's kind of jumpy you know um takes her like she has to really work up the courage to read a few pages of this yeah. supposedly scary book you know and that's kind of what like in a way it's interesting because her downfall is her psychology which mm-hmm. is she's you know she's very meek and nervous and um that's something that into these stories a lot too is you know personal psychology yeah um, and we'll get to that I guess in a the little in a little bit but it's one of the really common themes and I think this one kind of exhibited it well to say this you know the horror is what you make of it mm-hmm. you know like. The author who owns that house wasn't scared by the ghost, right? She had a relationship with her. They talked, you know, they were cool. Yeah. This woman is literally scared to death by her, Mm -hmm. you know, and the ghost seems to not give a shit about either one of them. Yeah. You know, so I think that's a really cool take on it. I really liked that movie. I thought it was just an amazing way to present a ghost story and show how much you can do with very little. Yeah. I mean, there's like four characters in the movie.
0: Four characters never left the house.
1: Yeah. Always in that house, which Always is not a house. very big house. And you know what else? As Aesthetically, it's not a typical haunted house, right? It's not like some three or four-story mansion no. with 20 rooms. You know what I mean? It's just a little small house, probably like similar in size to mine, mm-hmm. maybe, you know? But, well, no, it's bigger than mine because she had two floors or whatever, but it did, it's, it it's not follow large. Their,
0: they follow that trope of like the house in the country away from everything
1: Yeah, else. Yeah, yeah it's like at the good. end of the road. It's off in the woods a little bit. Yeah, it's very isolated. Yeah, very isolated. Um, so... And again, that that brings us to the idea of what you were saying about Washington Square Park, which is like if it just takes for something bad to happen or someone to have died. I mean, that's happened basically everywhere. everywhere. So like you can find like if you're looking for ghosts, you're going to go to the places you think they should be. Mm-hmm. And those places are always the expected cliche places, right? They're mm-hmm. mental asylums. <clears throat> Uh, prisons and battlefields and haunted, you know, freaky hospitals and Mm -hmm. houses where murders happened, you know, stuff like that. And it's almost like, it's part of why I don't believe in all these ghost stories. It's because it's like, well, I think if you play the numbers, you're much more likely to find a ghost in some random apartment in New York, Yeah, (laughs) you know, or some, like, random corner in one of the boroughs than you are to find a ghost, um, you know, I don't know, uh, at the site of, like, of a well-known murder. Murder, yeah. Uh, the theater where Lincoln got shot, say, for example. Like, he's still sitting there or something. You know what I mean? But people are always going to go there because they know this is where Lincoln got shot. Yeah. You know? I mean, I don't know. It, I think it's one of those things. It's like you... Make it, you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's a, it's a, it's you go where you expect to see it. It's a full- oh, a good example is that
0: hotel, the Chelsea hotel in mm-hmm. New York, right? Where Sid Vicious. It has to be. But I mean, like, you know how many deaths happen and, and, and not even just violent deaths, like, you know, overdoses. Right. Tons.
1: Again, if you're going to go to the Chelsea Hotel, you're expecting, you're expecting to see the ghost of Sid and Nancy or mm-hmm. whatever, right? But you're more likely to just see some random dude. Yeah. You
0: know? You imagine, hey, time out. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine you go there, you're like, I'm going, you're so excited. You're going on your ghost tour. You're going to see a ghost and you're like, all right. And you hear something like jingling down the hallway, like, oh shit, here comes Sid and Nancy. <laughs> nope. It's just fucking Fred yeah, who, just, who, who just died of consumption. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's really true because it's like whenever you hear these oh, people talk God. about those stories of like people
1: remembering their past lives, yeah, yeah. they're always fucking Cleopatra and Napoleon. Oh, and it's shit. like, no, you're not. What are the chances that you're one of history's great people? Yeah. Not the heroin addict
0: who, who can't stand still. It's just like, like leaning, the dipping heroin addict. Yeah. Like yeah. Dipping in the corner of a room. Like, exactly. Oh
1: you, you know, your past life, you were probably just like one of the millions of peasants oh, who lived in man. like, you know, whatever, whatever region or under some, you know, in some weird fiefdom or something. Right. Like you're, you weren't Henry VIII, you know, it just, I always found that I remember being a kid and seeing those stories on like like Geraldo or Ricky Lake or somebody, yeah. right? Like some talk show where they'd be like, oh, in my past yeah. life, I was Cleopatra and I'd just be like nine or ten and be like, no, you weren't. <laughs> no, you weren't. Like, what are the chances of that? You know? I'm like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's you not- were more likely one of Cleopatra's slaves. Not even, you were probably so far removed from Cleopatra. <gasps> you were a slave, like of a slave of a slave in some other far region, that way down the end of the Nile the where end- she never <laughs> even went. You know, it just doesn't make any sense that you would be um, one of history's most remembered people. Yeah, that, you
0: good, know. It's- it's, it's, I think, <laughs> I'm still like on, I'm still on like seeing like. Consumptive even, Fred. Not even like your one, like your, your one ghost is like he has on like the the wife beater all beat up with the, with the G, with the pants with the, like the two, with like the, the cargo pants and some like beat up Tim's and he's just like, puppy, what's going on, puppy? <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's right. yeah. Just like some
0: OTD guy. <laughs> He's just like, hey, yo, you got got the time, Bobby. What's the time? It's like, yo, wait, are you a ghost?
1: (laughs) So um, that brings us to kind of another thing that we've discussed leading up to this, which is where are all the new ghosts? Yeah, where are they? You know, like we are always seeing these ghosts looking like Victorians or colonial folk
0: or, you know. I got theory on that, actually. Lay it on me. Uh, I well I, I don't know if I told you this before, but I think the reason why a lot of the ghosts are like Victorian because like to be, you know we're going we're tying back to the stories that we heard right so we're all we're doing is like rehashing all these folklore and all these things that we've heard before but that was before I don't know if we're gonna touch on it in a little bit but like mental health issues right mm-hmm. so like a lot of these things were, prior to uh now where we can explain away why we see what we see right and it's just like then like yeah I saw her and she was this and she was dressed like that and she was wearing this but there was nothing to explain that no you just you just you just have mental issues you're not that's not necessarily like saying that the person isn't really seeing a ghost for those listening who are you know uh lovers of the ghosts and true believers um but you know at the end of the day there were so many stories because of the mental health issues as it goes down the line like we're so used to seeing these in our minds these apparitions so like okay they're gonna look this way and and some of the stories would probably be made up right like oh this the person was wearing like victorian garb they had on these particular boots and her hair was done a certain way and he was wearing uh you know he was dressed like he was from a turn of the century but like we were saying how many people die on a daily basis violently Where's my where's my guy in, you know, standing around with his Tims on? Where where's that guy at? In the long do rag. And the train. long do rag You know what I mean? Where's this guy? You know, I don't know where this guy is. I have not seen him. Where's the other guy who's just walking around and who just looks like you know like he works in an IT. Yeah. A, there's <laughs> gotta be somebody like who looks
1: like Weird. they look dated, like they're from the set of Seinfeld. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know what I mean? Know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where's my guy in like, you know, the, the, the light blue button down with the square toe shoes and the khakis on? Where's that guy? That guy passed away. I know he passed
1: away at some what point. What about time. all the people who probably died at work and they're still like in their Radio Shack
0: (laughs) shirt or something. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Oh, you know. Gotta be a few of those. Gotta be a few of those. Playing the odds. Someone died while they were working at the Wiz. Somebody coming down the street wearing a Crazy Eddie shirt. (laughs) Crazy Eddie. For, the, for those, for those who don't know, Crazy Eddie's was a very, very popular uh, electronics store in New York City back in the '80s. Yeah, '80s, maybe even to the early '90s. Early '90s, I remember. Those I, I remember and it was like, you know, like a, why, why I don't see that guy walking down the street, or holding like an Alexander's or A and S bag? Alexander's, you know what I mean? wow, or Caldor, or Caldor. You know what I'm saying? Like, where are these guys? Like, where are these people? These women. Sorry, I want to say guys and <laughs> women. Uh, but like, where are they? Like, I don't see them.
1: Well, I think another thing. My theory on the whole thing about them always looking the same in Uh the ghost stories is twofold. I mean, I think in terms of movies and pop culture, it's a really easy visual signal, right, to send to you as a viewer. This person doesn't belong Mm -hmm. because they're obviously they're dressed like a flapper and no one dresses like that. Right. Exactly. But also you know, when you say like the Victorian garb always comes in a lot and, I, and and the turn of the century stuff also because I think so much of the aesthetic of the ghost story was laid out by like gothic literature yeah. that came out around that time mm-hmm. that that's what we expect. And I think that goes back to sort of like what I was saying before where like I want ghost stories to be real. Like I yeah. would love for them to be real. Not that I want to be haunted, but like, you know, the existence of an afterlife to know that there's something beyond. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. But I also think a lot of the people, and this is no offense to the people who believe it, um, but I think a lot of people, like, they find what they want to find. You know what I mean? So when you're expecting to see ghosts and spirits, you'll find them. You know, you'll find a way to find them. Yeah, you'll figure it out. Someone who's inclined to uh, explain away something hard to explain as being the product of ghost is going to find ghost evidence all over the place. Right. Um, I mean, for me, a good example of that is I remember once I was, I was asleep. I was like half asleep in that like weird twilight zone of sleep where I like I kind of just like barely opened my eyes and I looked at the pillow that was next to me Mm -hmm. and the, like the wrinkles in the pillow became an old woman's face. Okay. And yes, it got sharp. Like it went like it, it sharpened from like shadows into clear face, clear as day, just an old woman, like a, like an old typical witch face. You know? So you were sleeping with an old woman? No, no, no. She was in my pillow. She was in my pillow. And so. (laughs) And it was just her face. So, I mean, you know. She's like, thanks, sweetie. (laughs) So, but then it was so weird because my brain started to react and I had that like momentary what the fuck moment where I was like, what the fuck am I looking at? You know, and then I guess like because that was in sleep, yeah, it sharpened into this old woman's face. Like, I, what, here's what I think really happened was that because what it, it eventually just dissipated back into just being shadows, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, And what I think happened was she got her rocks off. I was, <laughs> I was asleep, and my brain saw some shadows and said that kind of looks like a face, and then made it be a face, yeah, like to fill in the gaps. And then when I was kind. kind. Kind of shocked to alertness by that. My brain was like, "Nope, shadows." Nope. And then send it back to shadows, right? But like, I've always that always jumped out at me because I understand what that was. Like to me, that's the explanation. That's what it was. But it always jumped out to me because I I always knew like if I were the type who was inclined. To, to say that was a ghost, I would be telling you up and down, that was a ghost in my yeah, bed. in my bed. Mm-hmm. I saw the ghost of a woman doing some fucking research. Maybe some old woman died in that apartment. Yeah, yeah, Who yeah, knows? Yeah. But like, I, you would not be able to convince me that that, was that, that wasn't the ghost well, of an I, old woman. Another right? thing is like,
0: I, I, I sometimes get that, uh, what is that, sleep paralysis mm-hmm. that happens to me often. It used to happen to me a lot when I used to do like multiple jobs because, you know, I'm Caribbean. We do a lot of jobs. <laughs> uh, and I would like, you know, like sleep and for like a couple minutes and then wake up and go back. It was like, my body was all jacked up. But the sleep paralysis is the thing, right? And you do hallucinate when you do have these things. And um, you think you're up, but you're not. But every time I have, you know, luckily for me, all my sleep paralysis hallucinations have been like of animals. (laughs) So I, I would be sleeping and I can't move. Body's like just like stuck. And I'm like trying to move and then my eyes open. And if I'm facing, if I'm sleeping and I'm facing my left, I'll open my eyes and I'm facing the right. So I obviously know I am not up, right? Like it's like my body is facing in the wrong direction. But then the the one that sticks out the most is I like was a goat, just like sitting right in front, like sitting. I love that. Right in front of me, like a goat. That's the Caribbean haunting <laughs> you're getting. You're getting a, a goat. goat. You're like, what's up, man? And it's just like, so whenever it happens, every time I, when I used to, cause now I get a get enough sleep. But uh, when it used to happen, I feel, I was like, oh, I don't wanna see a goat. No. Oh, but it's like, imagine if I couldn't explain that away, right? What, what, what did that look like years and years and oh, years yeah. ago? Yeah, I can't explain sleep paralysis. I, I see things. not, not like, even
1: that many years, right? I yeah. bet you, 40, 50 years ago, people were it. just as puzzled by it. Yeah, and it's like, what is this? Why am I? I'm seeing a person. There's a person in my room. I think people are still puzzled by it, right? Like, yeah. People are still chalking that up to
0: ghosts. Yeah, and it's know? not. It's 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 your brain. It's your brain. I, I still can't figure out sleep paralysis, but it ain't your ghosts. brains. Well, I'm from, not what, under, a from what I
1: understand about sleep paralysis, it's like so when you sleep your brain like paralyzes your muscles Mm -hmm. so that you don't like if you had a dream that you were running, yeah, you would be doing the motions of running in your sleep. So your brain shuts your muscles down so that that doesn't happen. And sometimes you don't wake up in the right order. Yeah, It's supposed to like unlock your muscles. Then your brain snaps you back to alertness and you just get up. Sometimes it happens in the opposite order Mm -hmm. and you become alert. Before your body's uh, Before your body can move And that's why I think the other common thing that they talk about Is the feeling of like something pressing on your chest Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm not 100% sure what that is Other than maybe your own body weight
0: yeah, because you feel like you're being, like,
1: like vice-gripped. Yeah, you know, and that's another reason why I think people talk about it as, like, a ghost thing, because they're like, oh, there's a presence yeah. sitting on my chest, and it's like... Whoa. Oh, buddy, it's sleep paralysis. <laughs> Get some sleep, homie. Yeah, I know, right? Like, just stop having caffeine after, like,
0: four. It's it's interesting what, uh, what we've what our minds can do to kind of like make us think that we see what we see.
1: Yeah. And um, one other thing that I forgot to mention when we were talking about new ghosts is a comic book that I read called infidel mm-hmm. um, is produced by image comics. And um, it was, it's actually a really interesting comic because it takes place in an apartment building and you almost never see like haunted apartments, right? Yeah. It's always this big Victorian house or something. Um, and so in this This story is that 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 apartment building was the site of a terrorist bombing. And now there's a Muslim woman who lives in that building and she's dealing with a lot of like Islamophobia and racism. And there's a lot of those themes, you know, like racial themes and what it means to be, you know, Muslim in today's world or Muslim in a place where feelings are still really raw about a terrorist action that was perpetrated by Muslims Mm -hmm. uh, or a Muslim rather in this case. And so that, that actually ties in really interestingly in a way like to the themes that surround things because it's 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 trauma. And I don't know a lot of other ones that prey on race because it's like you were saying, there's never like a black family moving never. in.
0: Or, but, or, or a Latino family yeah, or a it, Muslim family or Asian family. I mean, yeah. it's just like, there's no minority. So, but that to me was really interesting. And I and,
1: will and want to bring that up again in a little bit. But I think another aspect of ghost stories that's really cool, especially for the movies, is as unrealistic as they are. Like, we just both established that we don't really believe that it's happening, that like there's ghosts around us or anything. Yeah thing. But in spite of that, these movies are really creepy, you know, like they can be really creepy. And I think part of the reason for that is... Because in that moment where like you're looking down the dark hallway and you're waiting for something to like go bump in the night, mm-hmm. literally anything can happen, right? I mean like, or nothing can happen or something can pop out. It can be behind you. It can come yeah. from above you. Like it could be a ghost screaming in your face. It could, you know, it can just be like literally anything and you don't know what it, what it's going to be. And yeah. I think that that like, uh, anticipation is really interesting. And, and when it's done properly, it's super creepy. Yeah. You know, like I'm the thing. That lives in the house is very eerie. Yeah. Because it's so quiet and still. And you know what I mean? But like the conjuring, not so much quiet and still, no. but still works that like creepiness really well. Like when um they're doing the hand clap game.
0: Yes. Oh my yeah. god. That, That's wait one more time so I can spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Meh <laughs> meh. Uh, Spoiler alert. <laughs> we need like a soundboard so we can just be
1: like, wee. Um So yeah, no, it, there's that scene where, so the children in the house have a game where one person is like blindfolded and the other kids clap their hands and then the blindfolded kid has to find them based on the sound of the claps and the little girl's playing it with her mother and the mother's blindfolded and you just see a pair of hands come out of the closet. Shh and clap and the mother's walking towards it and you know it's not the daughter but she doesn't and you're just like oh my god what are you doing don't go over there don't go over there and so um then the daughter comes in and it's like, hey, you can't. And she's like, what, what? Wait, you're supposed to be in the closet. Who the fuck's clapping in the closet? Damn. It's a very creepy thing. Or even very the creepy. other one where um, the mother is in the dark stairwell mm. and the hands just come from behind her and then like, clap right by yeah, her.
0: Yeah, yo, that was wild. And
1: that was an interesting one, too, because I think in that moment you're like, oh, my God, she's fucked. Yeah. Right. Like she's locked in this dark hallway i think her flashlight broke or something mm-hmm. right what is gonna happen here and she just gets like a match lit says just enough light for you to see what's about to happen to her and by all accounts i mean she should have like died or something right the worst should have happened and, yeah. and all the ghost does is clap uh, now
0: this is the the ghost of water so water for those ghost. of
1: you with really keen ears we're recording this in my basement so forgive us for any basement sounds you hear like water in pipes or uh creaking from my spoiler. Yeah.
0: But, um, all right. So, but yeah, but but what you're going to say about that though? So, you know, you would think the worst would happen to her, but at the end of the day, when you think about like that movie was more so about possession, right? Because when I think of ghosts, like, you can't touch me. You can't touch me. How can you touch me? You're not even here. Yeah. You can scare the shit out of me.
1: We, well, we do see, remember Ghost with Patrick Swayze when he concentrates real hard <laughs> and he can move the penny? So, like, it could be done, I guess. I guess. I mean, somebody,
0: somebody needs, like, this is why I like that the the, the pretty little thing. Um, give me an exact title again. Pretty little thing. I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. This is what I love about. That is that it gave the rules. There were never any rules. So when you see that movie and you, in, in the countering and you see that hand clap, right? Okay. So what now? Is she gonna grab her? Is she gonna punch her in the face? She can't. She's a ghost. Now that was different. Although was I different. think that is the scene where the
1: where the ghost gets in her. Yeah, that, so that's that was more her possession like a starts. Possession thing.
0: Um, and I think that's like that's like that's another part of a haunted house right it's just like you know and, and another um how could I say another trope? Like It could either be the house, the house is haunted, but someone, there has to be more than that because at the end of the day, there has to be some sort of possession because a ghost can't touch you. Well, also like in The Conjuring, they make a big
1: show of doing an exorcism on mm. the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To like exercise the, the ghost out of the house. Yeah. And Poltergeist has that similar- Same thing. That little woman shows up to That's do like her ritual and yeah. then she's like, this house is cleansed or whatever,
0: <laughs> which yeah. it's definitely not. No. You know, they should get a refund for from that, lady. Yeah, but I think oh. I think old, I will think too is in the conjuring when they kind of go that to that old photo. Of the, yeah, like, you know, like the, that's another thing that you yeah. see a lot in, in in haunted movies. and The Shining's a good example. The shining too, is like, yeah. yeah, this old photo, this person right here. Yeah,
1: where you, like, you see, again, it's, it's oh. like the thing where you see that they're not of this time, right? Like, yeah.
0: but you, you know, they don't belong because they're in that old ass photo. Yeah, you know what's crazy, and I'm going to put this photo in the, uh, I could put this photo on the site too. I went to Crayola land or world with the kids, and um, there's this, like, you know, the photo of all the people in the factories and everything thing and there's this one photo of everyone sitting down and there is this one woman and I was like oh is she trolling this photo like it's like the, is that an early troll like she's like you see joking like her face doesn't look normal just get the shit out of me. How is it odd? Oh man, I, I I I'm gonna show you the photo after after the after all this, and we can put on. It's all an right. odd photo, man. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's one of those. It's one of those photos you would see in a scary movie, and it was like, this is the woman who right, lived right. here before, and she ate the babies. They say that <laughs> every tenth year on the Creole
1: anniversary. <laughs> You can hear her howling. I'm going to look up the photo now as we talk.
0: Every year. Yo, it was the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. I was like, yo, this is crazy. So then I didn't want it to, the kids were looking at it. And I like, even, even like my youngest one looked, I was like, ooh, <laughs> oh, oh, I'm going to keep it moving.
1: Um. So we were talking about how the, um, aesthetic of ghost stories and like the commonalities have been laid out, like from a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And when I was doing a little bit of research, I wanted to see like, what's the history of the ghost story? What's the first one, you know, stuff like that. So I found that there was, oh, hold on a second. Let me see this photo. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely the face of like a woman with an ax.
0: Oh my God. Like it was just a normal photo. It's like just a normal photo of a bunch of people. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. It is like the zoom
1: in. It's like the shining photo. Yeah. You're just shining. There's just one psychotic person in the middle. Yeah. So crazy. Um, anyway. So anyways, yeah, there's where I was looking back. I wanted to see about a little bit about the history of ghost stories, haunted houses and whatnot. And I found, um, that there was a play that they seem to refer to as like the first instance of a haunted house, which is kind of cheap because I don't think the, ha- the house is not actually haunted. Someone just says the house is haunted. Basically mm. what happens is this is like ancient Rome. Um, the play is called Mostelaria, which translates to something to the effect of haunted house and um, basically like a rich guy goes out of town and his kid has a big party and then when the guy comes back he sends a slave out t- t- to stall the father so he doesn't come in and find the party uh, evidence mm-hmm. and the slave says don't go in there that house is haunted <laughs> and so apparently that's the first instance oh that's what the slaves are like
0: don't go in there <laughs> yeah <laughs> whoa whoa wait you well, can't whoa, go in wait. there there's meh, ghosts, in meh, there. Meh, ghosts in there are ghosts in there
1: so I don't think that should count necessarily but I thought it was worth mentioning because should you do your googling that's what you're going to find Mm -hmm. um it is kind of funny though that it's basically like the plot of a teen movie (laughs) like an 80s teen movie from but it's from ancient rome the really interesting thing that i stumbled on is um this letter by pliny the younger um pliny the younger was like an author in ancient Rome, uh, he was a magistrate and a general man of letters, and several of his letters survived. That's how we know about him or whatever. So here's this uh, letter. I'm going to read it, if you don't mind. It's a bit long. The quote's a bit long, but essentially, he's writing to a friend, and he's, ask, he's talking about ghost stories, and in the letter, he recounts a few ghost stories that he's heard, and this one really jumped out at me. I think you'll understand why when you hear it. So here we go. There was at Athens a large and spacious, but ill-reputed and pestilential house. In the dead of the night, a noise resembling the clashing of iron was frequently heard, which, if you listened more attentively, sounded like the rattling of fetters. At first, it seemed at a distance, but approached nearer by degrees. Immediately afterward, a phantom appeared in the form of an old man, extremely meager and squalid, with a long beard and bristling hair, rattling the jives on his feet and hands." So I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but the part I'm skipping basically says that anyone who lived in the house couldn't sleep because of the ghost. They all got crazy and freaked out and nobody wanted to live there. So um, a resourceful real estate agent put it on the market in the hopes that someone from out of town would take it, having no idea of the uh, the reputation, which, again, real estate. Yep. The true Even horror. Uh, so back into the letter. It happened that Athena Doris, the philosopher, came to Athens at this time, and reading the bill ascertained the price. The extraordinary cheapness raised his suspicion. Nevertheless, when he heard the whole story, he was so far from being discouraged that he was more strongly inclined to hire it, and, in short, actually did so. The first part of the night passed with usual silence, then began the clanking of iron fetters. However, he neither lifted up his eyes nor laid down his pen, but closed his ears by concentrating his attention the noise increased and advanced nearer till it seemed at the door and at last in the chamber he looked round and saw the apparition exactly as it had been described to him it stood before him beckoning with the finger athenodorus made a sign with his hand that it should wait a little and bent again to his writing but the ghost rattled his chains over his head as he wrote he looked round and saw it beckoning as before upon this he immediately took up his lamp and followed it the ghost slowly stalked along as if encumbered with its chains and having turned into the courtyard of the house suddenly vanished Athenodorus being thus deserted marked the spot with a handful of grass and leaves the next day he went to the magistrates and advised them to dig up that spot there they found bones commingled and intertwined with chains for the body had moldered away by long lying in the ground leaving them bare and corroded by the fetters the bones were were collected and buried at the public expense and after the ghost was thus duly laid the house was haunted no more
0: wow was that uh, anthony hopkins that's sounds, sounds very anthony hopkins
1: so i could see yeah i can visualize <laughs> anthony hopkins um but it's so crazy because it's like i read that and it really blew my mind because it was like wait a minute this is every ghost story you've ever heard yep it's a shady real estate deal it's the guy trying to get the house and he's surprised at how cheap it is i mean it, it's even a, the conjuring story it's a bit of the conjuring yeah, it's so crazy to me how this this letter is from, uh, I don't know what year, but Pliny lived between 61 and 113 Jeez. A.D. So we're talking about 2000 years yeah. old, this story is, and it's essentially the skeleton of every ghost story we've ever heard, right? I mean, like at wow. its core, it's so, it's so, so common. And that really blew my mind, which is why I wanted to read that whole thing, even though it was very long. Because chains is one of the big um, things that like comes into the history of ghost stories, right? Mm-hmm. It's like they've are, they're have always rattling chains. The guy in um, Christmas Carol's Rattling Chains, mm-hmm. um, getting into more of the literary tradition, you see it in the Christmas Carol. Oscar Wilde also has a novel called the Canterville Ghost, mm-hmm. which um, honestly sounds just like Beetlejuice. It's very similar. It's strikingly similar to Beetlejuice. And I'll give you a brief recap of that. Basically, it's a comedy where an American family moves into some like fancy manor mm-hmm. and they're warned that it's haunted and they're like, Psh, we don't believe in that shit. So the ghost comes rattling his chains and the family's like, yo, here's some oil for your chains. Stop keeping us up at night. And the ghost is like kind of distressed by the fact that he can't scare these people. Yeah. And he wants to scare these people out of his house. Cause that's what he does. He's a ghost. Those are the rules, I guess. And, um, interestingly, the ghost becomes depressed because not only do they not care about him and not scared by him, but the two youngest children terrorize him to the point where he's afraid of them, <laughs> you know, and it gets to a point where like he is oiling his chains cause he doesn't want to get their attention, but he yeah. has to like rattle his chains. <laughs> and again, similar to Beetlejuice, it's like the daughter who's kind of sensitive and understands a little bit more. She's a little bit more empathetic that helps him, uh, essentially like certain things have to happen for him to be able to cross over. Yeah, And it's interesting because it switches the perspective perspective. I mean, the people in the house are the assholes. The ghost, while not a good person because he was a murderer in real life and that's why he's a ghost now, Yeah. Uh, you kind of empathize for him because you feel bad for him. He's like, he's like impotent. Yeah. You know? He's trying to move on. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting, particularly because of the Beetlejuice connection. Like yeah. I was hitting Google, like, did did no one ever say this? No. That this sounds like Beetlejuice? <laughs> did Beetlejuice take it
0: from this? Maybe I just I'm, never knew. I'm, I'm pretty sure that that is, you know, like a lot of a lot of things that you like a screenwriter or a writer like tends to, um, you know, draw back on folklore and and things that already existed and kind of like redo the story in a more modern age. Um, but it also doesn't. It also makes me realize that uh, it's been two thousand years and still there is no minority in a haunted house movie. <laughs> and two thousand years of the same story you just can't put like one minority in one. I mean two. Two thousand years. That's crazy though when you think about the fact that like these stories it, it it's the same thing with like, you know, like when we I know we eventually one day talk about like a rom com. Like all these things have the same the same skeleton you know, like that every that every story kind of like- they it, It's like it, formulaic. Exactly, like where did that formula start? And it's crazy that the haunted house formula started 2,000 years ago, right? Yeah. And then you have this other story, like Beetlejuice, which is like kind of a play on that story that was 2,000 years ago. What's interesting too is that from what I could tell, I don't think Beetlejuice was intentionally
1: drawing on this story. Like I've, I found an article where they, uh, for like the Beetlejuice anniversary, where they uh. talked to the writer and apparently- he just had some like really annoying neighbors, mm-hmm. and then had the idea like, wouldn't it be crazy if there was like a ghost story where the occupants of the house were were the assholes and not the ghosts? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Like the ghosts are, the ghosts were good, and the and the people in the house were the jerks. And that is kind of what the Oscar Wilde story is. Except again, the ghost is not a good person. Mm-hmm it's just that so much time has gone by since the murder he committed yeah. that you don't even hold it against him yeah, anymore because he's been haunting that place for like 300 years. Yeah. you doesn't know? count anymore. But yeah, that I found very interesting. interesting. Um, also in the literary tradition, there's, um, Henry James's novel, the turn of the screw, Mm -hmm. which again, it's like another one of these Victorian stories where it takes place, like out in the country in in like some country manner. And this woman gets hired to care for these two kids. Basically, as I've (laughs) joked, uh, it's what I assume The upbringing of every rich British person at the time was, Mm -hmm. which is basically the two kids are orphaned um, and then they're sent to live with their uncle, but their uncle doesn't really give a shit about them. Yeah. So he just hires this lady to care for them at the other house where he doesn't live Mm -hmm. and essentially tells her explicitly, don't call me. Just. Take care of these kids. Whatever comes up, deal with it. I don't want to hear about it. So um, she starts seeing ghosts um, around the house and she's kind of putting together the story of like, how did this person, who is this? Oh, I think it was my predecessor and she died. And oh, I think this other ghost is the former uh, groundskeeper who died and all this stuff. And She gets really hung up on figuring out what's going on. Mm -hmm. It's weird. She has this kind of like hero complex about protecting the children, but if she really was going to protect the children, she would just send them out of the house, Yeah, she just, but well. she doesn't really do that. And then anyways, she starts to become convinced that the ghosts want to corrupt the children somehow and the kids are kind of in cahoots with the ghost. Mm. So she really gets on this whole like interrogation of the children to try to figure out what they're up to with the ghosts. You know what I mean? Yeah. And interestingly, like with this story, there's a lot of, you know, Know mental stuff at play in the sense that you never really know if it's real or just a delusion of hers. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I suspect that it is real because at the end, spoiler alert, uh, spoiler alert. How old is this? This
0: this This bizarre. Uh, yeah,
1: hundred hundred and something year old story. But spoiler alert, spoiler alert. alert. Um, <laughs> at the end, the the boy dies, and you mm-hmm. don't know how. You know, like it's not clear how or why he dies. Mm-hmm. Like, basically, she sees the ghost out the window and it's kind of assumed that he sees the ghost, too, and then he dies of fright. Mm-hmm. but you never quite can tell if the kid actually sees the ghost or if he's just placating her and pretending to see the ghost because he want because she wants him to see the ghost yeah you know what i mean it's really interesting in that regard because there's a lot of this like perspective stuff and like mental condition stuff where there's no one really around to call her crazy yeah um but she's kind of crazy yeah you know so i would think the ghosts are kind of real because i don't know why else the kid would die
0: right like kids don't just drop dead i mean 100 some years ago yeah they did it was like you'd <laughs> be lucky if you have you have as much kids as possible. You have like twenty kids and only like two of them make it. You know what I mean? um, and then the other uh, big literary example is
1: the haunting of Hill House. Yes, the book that that show was based on, and the book's from 1959. And it's interesting because the book really does follow like the mental decline of the main character. The show is entirely different. Mm-hmm. The show has nothing to do with the book. I mean, I shouldn't say nothing. There's like allusions to the book. Yeah, like it was inspired that, are, by that are in there. You know, but the book that, that show is not the plot of the book. Yeah. The plot of the book is basically you've got these uh, four people who go to live in this house as part of like an academic study by a parapsychology uh, parapsychology professor. Mm-hmm. He's he's one of them. Uh, there's two women who have had experience with supernatural things in the past. That's why he chose them. One of them is the main character, Eleanor. The fourth person is a member of the family that owns the house currently, but no one lives there because it's, it's an evil house and nobody can ever stand to live there. So anxiety factors in a lot in this book, you know, um, the main character, Eleanor, I would say she's very anxious. Like there's a lot of her kind of being like, Oh, what if they think this of me? What, Oh, do they think I said that? What about this? Why are they looking at me like that? Why are they saying this? Why, you know, I would, I would say that's kind of an anxiety. It's, I guess, a little bit, like, self-centered, too. She's kind of selfish, but she's, part of that's because she spent her life caring for her mother, and now she's, like, kind of past her prime and a little bit bitter about having had this selfless life. And she never, so she also comes off kind of immature, because she doesn't really have the life experience. Mm -hmm. You know, like, she's in her 30s, she's not married, you know, all that
0: stuff. She has, like, single child syndrome? Well,
1: she's not a single child. She seems to hate her sister. Okay. Which is interesting, because family dynamics are another big feature of the ghost stories, like Mm -hmm. we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And in this one, almost everybody has a shitty family dynamic. Oh, like, like in this story, Eleanor has a super passive aggressive relationship with her sister. They just do not seem to like each other. Mm-hmm. She also is highly resentful of her mother who was sick for like 10 years and she spent her whole life, her whole adult life caring for her um, at the expense of living her own life. The doctor, the, psych- the psychology, the parapsychologist, his wife comes at some point mm-hmm. and she's very like sniping and she's always cutting him down and, you know, uh, making like really snide comments to him. She doesn't seem to respect him very much. The um, the other woman, Theodora, she's very solitary. She's very distant. She doesn't seem to have any family. She It's also hinted that she might be a lesbian, which I guess for 1959 was somewhat groundbreaking. Yeah. And then the other guy, the member of the family, his name's Luke. And he's there because he's kind of like the fuck up black sheep of the family. Like the woman who owns the house says, oh yeah, you know, send him. But, you know, I, I, I would more expect him to steal the silverware than anything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it's interesting because everybody's family in that book sucks (laughs) and so when you come back to that idea of family things because that shows through in the show the haunting of hill house because in the show you have these kids from this one family who are all kind of fucked up by their experience living in hill house for like one summer and they've all manifested it in different ways. Um, actually, that that video that I watched, this is super interesting. Explained that each of the kids' personalities uh, corresponds to one of the five stages of grief. Yeah. So when you watch it, try to like bear that in mind. Like, um, what are the five stages? Denial, mm-hmm. anger, depression, bargaining, and acceptance. Not necessarily in that order. I might have messed up the order. Mm-hmm. But each of the five kids kind of has that something like that in their adult personality. One of them's bossy, one of them's a loner, one of them's a drug addict, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So... I thought that was super interesting. And then the counterweight to that in these stories is Poltergeist. Yeah. Which we haven't talked about yet, but in Poltergeist, there's a, they're a good family. Yeah. They have a good dynamic. You know, did you, did you get to finish Poltergeist?
0: Yeah, I finished it. What'd you think? I I didn't find it to be as scary as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It's really not that scary. scary. I can't
1: imagine anyone having like Poltergeist nightmares. Maybe if I saw it as a kid, I probably should have saw it as a kid. I wish I had, um, because I feel like I would have appreciated it a lot more. Like, yeah. I think had I seen it as a kid, it might have scared me, but it would have definitely, like, made me much more engaged. Like, I would have felt yeah. something from it.
0: When I, when I watched it, I wasn't really, you know, like, in a disrespect, people who love the movie. Yeah, it's a, wrote, it's a good movie. I was just like, Meh. it's a fun movie. It's one like, of those movies.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's got that Spielberg feel yeah. of it being kind of really like a kid's story. Yeah. As dark as it is, you know. But um, in Poltergeist, the family basically sticks together, which is, I think, part of why they they make it through. Everybody's okay at the end, you know? And when you consider that, the end of poltergeist like it ends with the family all together right they go to that motel to leave the house and there they are they're all together in one room because their dynamic was strong they were like a strong unit everything was positive they stuck together there's no point where the husband is telling the wife you're crazy yeah, yeah. stop being hysterical <laughs> you know <laughs> i feel like that would be the cliche right for the husband to be like like when the daughter gets sucked into the tv yeah, like oh. our daughter's gone <laughs> stop being crazy
0: you know well i think i think also like you can tie that back the the, the conjuring was the same way. The family was 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 a pretty strong family dynamic, uh, strong enough for the husband to like really know that okay, my wife is possessed. We're gonna get her. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and I think that's, you know, like stories like that is kind of, they're not, they're they're normally like the counterbalance to, you know, like a, a, a traditional like haunted house. Like, like you were saying, there's a lot of different, like the divisions and the families aren't really necessarily like the closest. This is why you're able to like, that's why the, the, possession is, or, or the ghosts are able to take over because they kind of like divide and conquer Mm -hmm. pretty much. Um, but then also this is why those families tend to win out of the end. Um, I think some other ones we watch when the family's structure is a little bit damaged, it tends to be more of a darker ending, I would assume. Yeah, well, it's
1: interesting because these aren't necessarily examples of ones that we were setting out to talk to. They were just sort of top of my mind when Mm -hmm. I was coming up with some of this stuff. And just looking, um, I just told you about the Hill House Mm -hmm. uh, from the book, right? And in the show, we talked about it. But in American Horror Story, the first season, Mm -hmm. which is a haunted house uh, season, that family, they move into that house and they're trying to get over the fact that the husband had an affair. Mm -hmm. So there's this sort of like... You know bump in the road behind them that they're trying to forget about they're trying to like have a fresh start get over it You know with this new house and set up a new life in this new place um, And the shining is kind of the same way yeah. too, right? They go to this hotel The husband's an alcoholic, but he's trying not trying to, to be book. like yeah. yeah, he's really trying to be a good person Yeah, which oh well, actually you know what that's Stephen King's complaint. That's why Stephen King hate the movie is because in the book, he's really trying. But in the movie, he just comes off as nuts from the start. Yeah, he just comes off
0: like, like he just doesn't really care too much about his family. He cares more about writing this book than the family. Yeah, they're kind
1: of like an annoyance to him. Mm -hmm. In the book, it's a lot more like you really see his struggle of like he wants to do good. He wants to be a good father and a good husband. But like, he's a flawed person and when those flaws come out you know the the, the house or the hotel in this case preys on them mm-hmm. you know and that's how he ends up like losing his mind Yeah. Um, and then another then good example is the Amityville horror which I was watching a little bit of the remake of Amityville um, a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and I found this interesting sort of like parallel with it where it, it seems to be like a parallel of domestic abuse because so the house is making the father in Sane. So he's only affected when he's in the house. Mm -hmm. When they leave the house, he's fine. He's a loving husband. You know, he's caring, he's witty and cute and smart and whatever with his wife. But then when they get back to the house, he's sort of on the verge of violence. He's mean, he's angry. And I don't know if they did that on purpose, but it sounds like a domestic abuse story, right? Like where the husband has one face for the public and one face for inside the Mm -hmm. house. In this case, he's not doing it intentionally, right? But I thought that was really interesting because it's another one of those... Ways to tackle the um, the family dynamic, mm-hmm. you know, like trying to get over something. And they're another one too, where they put themselves kind of like underwater buying that house that they shouldn't really buy. Because yeah. at least in that version of it, you know, they're like this blue collar middle class family. They really can't. They can barely afford it. So then they have to be in there. Yeah, you have to. They have
0: to. They're <laughs> in it. They're already in that hamster wheel running. But I think I think that's a that's another thing. Even back to when we're talk when you're talking about like um, just when you have the cracks in your psyche, how easy it is for, even though in these haunted house movies, it's like the ghosts, like, you know, or the or the or the, the entity then is able to kind of like move their way in. That's society at large, right? So it's like when you have like cracks in your psyche, it's very easy for outside forces to influence, you know, your thinking or the way that you act or the way your day is or where, where the way your day is going. So it's like, it's kind of a tie back to just society at large. Right. So it's just like a lot of people who, who, believe in strange things or, you know, you know, have, you know, beliefs that are not necessarily the nicest beliefs. You just go right back to their family dynamic. And it's very, very, very like, yeah, your, your, your psyche's cracked. That's why or it's very easy. like the easy. girl
1: in I Am The Pretty Thing That Lives In The House. Mm-hmm. Like she's very
0: meek. Yeah. And, you know, nervous. Yeah. And it's easy for her to be sort of like pushed. Well, she she she's also coming off of a, I believe her husband or something. Someone, some sort of a breakup. Some sort of a a breakup. That, yeah. Yeah. So it's just like that is it, it, it ties back to just reality in general. Like just kind of like when you when you have these cracks in your psyche, it's very easy for you to be manipulated and very easily for easy for you to um, you know like your, your your mind to to kind of drift off and follow. Uh, another path that you shouldn't be following and then you blame it on something right you right. blame it on like oh like this is it is not my fault you know it's 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 my parents' fault it's not my fault it's the fault of you know the, the these group of people that I grew up with and if it wasn't for them I'd be I'd be normal I wouldn't be like this right um so it's just also like just laying blame somewhere else so like he was saying even we go forward back to what you were just talking about about the you know that husband he was a certain person outside and when he's in now you're just putting the like a typical domestic, Look what you made me do! Look what you made me do! Yeah. And it's not my fault. It's your fault, and this house's fault. And if it wasn't for you, who made me buy this house, then we wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah, that's a, that's it's a spot on blame, blame, blame. It's nothing to do with. It's yeah, and that's also shining
1: style too. Shining right? too, like you know where I forget. I don't even remember. It's been a while since I watched it, but like the the wife is doing something and he's just I'm just trying to write this fucking book, Wendy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Wendy. <laughs> um, well the other thing too, and I think you see this in um was it in I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House, where she's really doubting herself about mm-hmm. what she's experiencing and what she's feeling there. It's hard to tell because she seems like a very, like, self-doubtful person anyway. Yeah, she,
0: she's already, she already has, a, like, a, a self-esteem problem.
1: Yeah, but I think that's a big thing is somebody, something happens and they're just like,
0: nah, I must be going nuts. that, yeah.
1: that I can't have just seen the thing I think I've seen. Or the husband generally is telling the wife, oh, you're just, no, nah, no, nah, nah, you're just stressed out. Yeah. You couldn't have seen that Oh you got a lot going on You know Or like Like the, like the gaslighting She's on the ride Don't be hysterical
0: It's your time of the month Don't worry about yeah, it Yeah yeah yeah
1: Depending on the, on the year The movie It's comes like he out. breaks the fourth wall He's like Ugh, Women am I right you know, like,
0: Women am I right
1: Tugs on his collar Like Rodney Dangerfield Yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but no i mean um, think of, i mean it makes sense to doubt yourself right like when you had your ghost experience i mean i'm sure your first thought was like am i okay you know like what's going on here was that just me or did that happen yeah you know like that's a that's an interesting thing. And I don't think most people find themselves in situations where they have to doubt their own sanity very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's got to be
0: kind of jarring, right? It is. But when you know that, like myself, when you know that you're physically insane already, like, I'm fine. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm, I know I'm insane. So <laughs> I don't have to doubt that. <laughs> um and then, no, they are mental. Well, also because
1: like they they also have these. You, you had touched on it earlier, saying like back in the day there wasn't a lot of thought to mental health, right? No, so probably there were a lot of people who should have just been being treated for a condition mm-hmm. who were just being called crazy or wacky or whatever. And you see it a lot in some of these things in various ways, like in Hill House, I mentioned anxiety. Mm-hmm. In um, I mentioned depression. In um, that Oscar Wilde story but it's also there in like American Horror Story, mm-hmm. it's there in The Shining. Paranoia is mm-hmm. in that comic,
0: Infidel. You see a lot of like paranoia. Oh, she questions her sanity quite a bit. The girl in that story. You know what's so crazy? As you as you as you say all this, right? And 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 I know I don't want to tie this back to just like um, society at large, but in terms of not being able to um, pinpoint mental health, um, like you were saying, the paranoia, parano- pa- paranoia, the anxiety, all this is probably in low income communities like there are no there's plenty of people that I um, the, the matter white black doesn't matter like these low-income communities, are you just like, oh, this guy? Ooh, there's something wrong with you. You're a little, you're a little, you're on the spectrum, mm. but uh, you don't even know it. And I think, you know, the fact that you know we the can people sit- around you may not know it. Yeah, right? exactly. And the fact that we can still like we see that this is prevalent in these movies, um, and how long this has been prevalent in society, and how it's kind of like tied into these stories. It, it's it's crazy. It's strange to me to think that it's still people still don't these 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 things still aren't handed down through generations because there are people who still don't even know what the signs are for parent you know being paranoid and mm-hmm. paranoia and, and anxiety and having you know like the funny thing I'm much I was saying about when I was talking about I was like uh, loving the show people just do nothing um, and it's a perfect example in that show. The couple is moving into a place uh, in in London, Essex, which is really, really far away from where they live at the moment, meaning that he's going to leave all his friends. So he started having a panic attack, but he will never say he's having a panic attack Mm. because it makes him seem weak. So he kept saying he has 24 hour asthma. he's like yeah I had that 24 hour asthma bug and it's like he doesn't even know he doesn't even know how to even describe the fact that he has a panic attack um, and I think just just the fact that society still can't even come to grips with this this is why these stories are still we could still look at a haunted house story and we could still look at all these different stories and be like oh okay like, well, how do they not know right because so, someone is watching this and is like yeah I understand I completely get what this person is going through it's because they're probably going through the same thing but they never diagnosed themselves mm-hmm. and they don't don't even know that okay this person is just dealing with low self-esteem
1: yeah or depression or anxiety or
0: whatever yeah it's not the ghosts
1: it's them that's actually a really interesting thought too because it's like when you have say like you know lower income communities where people are like just maybe less likely to be attuned to that
0: kind of thing Mm -hmm. and it's like not being able to you know uh, accept it, and it's it's easy. Like and and like I said, this is back to why I think it still resonates. Like these these haunted house movies and these because it's we're dealing with uh right at this moment in time. This is like the most, because of social media and the fact that everything is oh, yeah. so prevalent anxiety and everything is, ex- everywhere. anxiety is everywhere. Mental health issues are everywhere. So when people watch, like when these kids watch these movies, it, 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 it kind of like, it makes them feel like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Like they, they, they feel it differently. Like they feel like, like it's part of them. Like that's that they're going through the same thing, even though they don't have ghosts around, they know what she or he is feeling on the screen. So it makes them, um, you know, it makes them feel a little bit. You know, I was really wondering
1: that too, like. I wonder if it's just some sort of subconscious thing where people are drawn to these stories because they reflect a feeling Mm -hmm. that they're familiar with, even though that feeling is presented in such a different way. Yeah. Right. Whereas, like, I mean, I can imagine someone young. (laughs) saying like liking a ghost story and not even understanding why yeah right like seeing watching something like uh one of these haunted house movies and not even getting why it clicks for them so hard Mm -hmm. but when you think about it it's kind of interesting how like these stories unfold in the in a very similar way that something like anxiety manifests itself and it's like you have this kind of unseen thing that's like off out of the just out of the corner of your eye or just just a step beyond the field of your vision that you can't quite see. But every time, you know, it's always there. And similar to like in your mental state, you've got these thoughts that are just lingering and they're just like, It's there in your mind, somewhere Mm -hmm. behind your real thoughts, but it's always there. And you never quite notice that it's there, but it's always there. It's it's unsettling and it makes itself known at various points here and there and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, you're having a 24 hour asthma attack.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The hour bug, the the, the asthma bug.
1: and and You know, like in the conjuring, there was the clapping and then in Hill House, there's like a banging, mm -hmm. you know, it's like it's always "Mm -hmm." something. Doom,
0: doom. And a lot of the classic, when you hear a lot of the classic, uh, um, you know, folklore about like a lot of these uh, haunted stories and you hear like people, it's always like there was rapid knocking on the door. Like, there's, mm-hmm. like there's, someone was always knocking on the door and they'll go to the door and no one was there. It was knocking at the window. And there's a, I forget there's a story, I forget the name of the story, but there was a particular house that was being haunted and it was like someone was knocking all around the house. Um, and it, it's just that whole thing it just it plays on that anxiety and that 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 fear of just like you know i i'm losing control right um and when you watch a movie that kind of <laughs> plays on all those emotions and even though they're not your you know, they're not dealing with things that you're going through like we were saying before, it, it, it still plays on those emotions kind of like, that brings them out. So you, now you begin like, same when we're watching a movie and it's a, you know, say we're going through a breakup and we're watching a movie that's a little mushy, right? You start to you start to tear up, but you're mm-hmm. not crying because the movie is great. It's because it's, it's tapping it. It's evoking in, something yeah, from inside from you. From inside yeah. of you. So, you know, that, that, that fear is different than a, than a thriller. Like a thriller is like that seeking the thrill, someone who likes to go on like roller coasters and stuff like that. But haunted haunted house movies aren't thrillers. They're they're slow moving. They're you know like they're slowly pulling all these emotions out of you. <sighs> when I watch a scary movie, I just can't watch it because I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'll take this off. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever emotions in the back, I don't want, maybe that's the, maybe that's the, that's the hood in me. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about my emotions. I was like, I'm out. Deuces. I'm scared. I scared. Turn this off. <laughs> Turn it off. I'm gone. <laughs> I'm turning it off. Not because I'm scared though. <laughs> Not because I'm scared, yo. It's, it's late. I got this asthma bug.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, the other big theme too that I think makes it very universal is safety because we've always understood the home to be like, you're, you know, your source of security and Mm -hmm. you're protected from the dangers of the outside world. And I think there's some sort of like primordial evolutionary thing where it's like, whether it was thousands of years ago and it was a cave or it's now in my house, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Where I just want I feel safe. I feel secure. Uh, But what do you, And even when you're a kid, right? Some shit goes down the street. What do you do? You run home. Run home. That's where you go to be safe. But, it's, yeah. but it brings that whole like, well, when the horror is the house, right? Yeah. You know, the call is coming from inside the house. Like, that's a fucked up line to hear. Yeah. Because it's not supposed to be in the house. It's in the house. You know, like, I'm supposed to be safe here and there's not supposed to be danger here and it's not supposed to, the house isn't supposed to be the problem. Mm-hmm. And um, even with the domestic abuse, it's sort of the same idea, it, right?
0: Even, even children, right? So, like, you know, like at the end of the day, when you have, when you're living in a, in a household that isn't necessarily the most stable and you can go home. That's all you got, right? You got, you're a child. You only have your parents and they're in your house. Mm -hmm. And if that's not safe and your parents are fighting that maybe, you know, something's happening to you where there'd be abuse at some sort of, and you're a child and you can't really, you know, fight against it, then it's, it's nowhere safe. And imagine, you know, like a lot of these movies, like I said, like a lot of those stories probably come from that as well. Like that's like, it's that feeling of, not being able to be safe. right? And and how do I say that? I'm not going to write the person who's, you know, writing a, a story regarding something like that. Um, they're not going to say, well, I was molested. And that they're going to say, OK, no, this house was haunted and I couldn't go in the house and this was going on and I couldn't sleep. And when I tried to sleep, there was someone in the corner of the room and all these different things. So you can kind of say what you need to say without having to say, right. you know, exactly it. Um, you know, and I, and I think a lot of these scary stories kind Kind of come from that has to
1: yeah well like i agree like i i kind of wonder about that like if like thankfully i never you know yes, was yeah. abused or anything but i wonder like had i been
0: i mean i would, have a caribbean dad so i was annoyed <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't abused but i was annoyed <laughs> but i wonder like had i been had i had a traumatic childhood say
1: from my, because of my home life yeah. i kind of wonder like would these stories still um cathartic or what i find where i avoid them because it's it's a reminder of how fucked up things were I, that's a good you know question what I, mean? that's a good I don't question. know i mean i i guess it's a question for someone who's been through it and i'm sure there's not even one answer no but because I was going to say, oh, that must be part of why they resonate so hard, mm-hmm. because these are things people understand. But then I'm like, wait a minute, if you really understand that you can like, avoid that, but you might not want to see it No, you know?
0: Well, and, and I think you you if done well, a lot of times you'd probably watch something and don't realize it. And then when you do realize it, it's going to evoke that emotion. And you don't want to watch it anymore. Yeah. Um, and I, and my whole thing is every time I you know like I said we like we were talking like there are these like you know there are the 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 tropes that these films follow but it I guess this trope started for a reason. Well, you know what else I
1: think too maybe maybe what makes them resonate isn't because they're meant to speak directly to abuse people, mm-hmm. but they're meant to offer a window into what it's like for those people, for those of us who weren't there. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like it gives me a way to see what it might've been like for people who were in a fucked up situation that mm-hmm. I don't truly understand. And I'm not going to say watching the conjuring makes me understand it. You I know, mean, it if,
0: if you look at it, if you look at the conjuring from a different, different perspective after you watch it the first time, the second time you watch, Maybe it would give you a little bit more understanding on how that person would feel. I think it, maybe it gives you like more of like an emotional intelligence yeah, about it. Exactly, like you can't be like, "Hey man, I, see I the saw co- the shining. I know what your life is like. <laughs> oh, I man, get you." Be, that would be the most fucked up <laughs> thing ever. He's like, "Yeah, I get it, man. I saw the conjuring the other day, man. I, 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 I completely see where you're coming from." Yeah. but it does give you a certain level of emotional intelligence to understand what it what it feels like to be in an unsafe place where you would, like you were saying, would probably be supposed to be the safest place for you.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the things in any genre of horror that makes it successful would be um, the undermining of your sense of safety. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because if you can successfully do that, no matter what the subgenre is, you're probably going to have a very eerie, scary movie on your hands, you know? And I think just when it boils down to something like a slasher, it's not, yeah, sure. If someone was chasing me with a knife, that would be very scary. But when I watch a slasher movie, I don't think, Oh God, I'm terrified because that could happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? But in a weird way, these movies are kind of scary because not because they can happen, you know, but because they hit that root, that root of like your personal physical safety. When I'm watching a slasher movie, my personal safety is not undermined at all. Now, you know what I mean? But if you're telling me some shit might be going down in my house that I can't see. Yeah that does yeah you know so um dinner's ready <laughs> so faith is another issue that we we talked about a little bit earlier mm-hmm. um and in terms of say exercising spirits from the house mm-hmm. or the family and poltergeist having that lady come and do her cleansing <laughs> yeah. uh the comic book infidel mm-hmm. um is about, you know, a Muslim woman. So faith factors in like, like literal faith, like her faith that she lives by, as well as faith in the situation, Yeah, like faith that this is really happening, that this terrible ghost story is happening to you. Cause that's, and, you know, on the heels of the, it's the flip side of the sanity thing, right? Yeah. Questioning your sanity means also believing faithfully that this unlikely thing is happening. Yeah. Right.
0: Um, and also, also, I was going to say, sorry, okay, but in, in, in The Infidel, from the story when you told me, is that a lot of her faith also had to do with the people around her and how they treated her faith at the same time. Right. So it's like all these different factors that were coming into play. Yeah.
1: Like her fiance is a non-Muslim mm-hmm. man and his mother uh, is not adjusting well to like understanding like multiculturalism or whatever. Yeah. And she stumbles in her, like, you know, she, she wants to give her a recipe for ham, mm-hmm. for example. And it, you don't know if it's an honest mistake or not. She says it is the Muslim lady believes that it is, but the fiance thinks his mother's just being like a Massive aggressive bitch about it. Like, Damn. you know, she can't eat ham. Why would you do that? You yeah. know? And um, it's sort of revealed through the story that I, I think that the, the mother-in-law does kind of come off good. Like, I think it starts off iffy where you don't know what to make of her. But I mm. think all in all, you do get the sense that she's actually a good person trying you know, like just having the same sort of like stumblings that everybody might have when trying to adjust to someone from a different culture that Mm -hmm. you're not familiar with, you know, you're going to occasionally say the wrong thing, you know, or, or do the wrong thing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if we went to Japan, I'd probably forget to take my shoes off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Going into someone's house. It's not that like, I wouldn't be doing it on purpose. Like fuck your house, you know, (laughs) your (laughs) house, (laughs) Fuck your couch. Um, but the other faith based thing, it brings us to the final thing, which is, um, the afterlife, yeah. right? Cause that's the big faith thing mm-hmm. in these stories. It's like the main driver because obviously you can't have ghosts without an afterlife. Like atheists don't believe in ghosts. I don't think, right? I'm probably, yeah, that's an interesting Why? question. You, right? Cause like, I mean, atheists don't believe in God, but really that ghost? don't mean there's not ghosts. Right. I don't but know. Still, I mean, yeah. But I mean, I would say the reason an atheist probably doesn't believe in God is the whole lack of evidence thing. Mm -hmm. So I would venture to guess they probably don't believe in an afterlife either, but I'm fairly certain they don't believe in like the heaven hell afterlife, you know, like I, I don't know what I believe in terms of an afterlife. I mean, it it seemed, odds seem good that it's nothing, Yeah, but that's also super boring and not what I would want to happen. Like what I, what probably happens is that, Mm. But what I would prefer to happen is like meet people that I lost, you know, find loved ones, get to hang out with like you know, dead authors that I admire or, you know, I always daydream about the idea, like in the afterlife, you would just know the answer to like every question that's unanswerable about yourself. Yeah. Like how many (laughs) steps did I take while I was alive? Or like how many (laughs) breaths did I take? Or, you know,
0: I I always, I always like, you know, when I think like when people think of like the afterlife is like, okay, everybody has their own spirit. They have their own personalities and there's no way that you could just disappear right mm-hmm. that's the story i always get from people and and working in the world that i've worked in you know in 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 sales and film and the amount of human means i've met in my life we're not that special there's a lot of us who are pretty much the same like they're like i've met people i'm like oh yeah you're exactly like this other guy mm-hmm. um i think we all fall in different buckets uh, right. i think that's kind of where i got to the point where like no maybe we just disappear maybe we just like that's it it's a wrap goodbye
1: well, it's kind of interesting because the like the thing you were saying about like nobody being special. I also always wondered with this like afterlife thoughts like everyone's like, Oh, my all my dead relatives are looking after me, right? Yeah. They're all looking down on me. Oh that's But if you follow like the web of a family tree, wouldn't mm. your great aunt <laughs> so and so have a bunch of people to look down on? Yeah. Like how, is she really good at multitasking? Like, why you it's kind of self centered <laughs> yeah, to be like is. everybody's watching out for me. For you. You know what I mean? Because they're probably watching out for a lot of Maybe they don't give a shit about you. Maybe they didn't like you that much and they're watching out for their first cousin who they liked a lot better or something. You know, like, it's weird. And then when you follow, like, all your ancestors, even ones you've never met, why would they be looking after you? They don't know who
0: you are. Yeah,
1: they don't care. Maybe (laughs) you're a jerk in their eyes, you know? Maybe, like, you know, your great-great-grandfather worked like a dog and he sees you just, like, chilling at a store and he's like that ain't work
0: that ain't work I don't know how to work (laughs) well not even like families are so mixed too you know what I mean so it's just like there are
1: living families that don't like each other that much why would why would (laughs) dead family members care that much about you also wouldn't they be wanting to do their own shit in the afterlife other than other than like look at me (laughs) you know (laughs) if the afterlife is being forced to watch your
0: living relatives live their life that sounds pretty shitty pretty shitty (laughs) they're like oh all right, yeah oh yeah. Sure, Bobby. Bobby I would no don't do that uh, uh, don't, put, don't put
1: that there's little Jojo jerking uh, off again Jesus don't, he's 14 how many times we got to watch him jerk off
0: don't put that in your mouth oh <laughs> Jesus Christ.
1: Um, you right uh, but I but I get that I get that like people have their ideas of the afterlife and they want there to be an afterlife of course you know what I mean and I as I just said would like for my ideas of the afterlife to be true too and yeah, you know we don't, we don't want like we don't let we don't want to let go some people find it a lot scarier to think that there's nothing you know and maybe 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 a ghost story quells that mm-hmm. to an extent and says, look, at least there's not nothing, Yeah, you know,
0: and um, I see her. I see her or him later. You know, kind of deal. Like yeah. After that.
1: Yeah. Or like something I think you noted once, which was like, this is just the bad version. Yeah. I'm probably not going to have this version, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but also, I guess like it, it, the ghost stories resonate a bit because they reinforce sp- some people's existing beliefs, right? Like if, if your belief is that spirits are all around us all the time, this is saying, yeah, you're right. You know, and who doesn't want to be right? right?
0: (laughs) Even when they're wrong, you're right. They're right.
1: Right. And then I guess the thing that I find other than that, necessarily the question that I always wonder is like, if you're someone who believes heavily, like in the ghost stuff, and then you watch ghost stories, like, are you comforted by the fact that you're right? You know, like, do do you, do you, can you draw comfort from these stories? I, I would, even though they're they're
0: twisting something that's supposed to be good, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't think you draw comfort. I think you, I think we we do live in we as a human human trait, we do like to we like to feel as if we are correct and we're right, and we, everything that we, the way we live our lives is the way that it, it is, is the righteous way, and everything we say is correct, and we don't like to be proven wrong, right? Um, I think it's a, a feeling that no one wants. Mm-hmm. No one hates to be like, oh, you, you were wrong. Like, oh, fuck, I was wrong. Like, no one wants to admit that. Um, so, watching like a, you know, a, ghost movie or whatever it may be, you, though it may be not the your idea of what you want, what you think the afterlife is, at least it, you can say, well, yeah, yeah, see, that, that's a version of it. Right. That's a version of what I always tell you happens. So I'm, I'm not crazy. Because in the context of the
1: movie, generally, it's a really grim view of oh, grim, an afterlife, yeah. mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's just this person stuck, you know, this ghost, this spirit is stuck and they're wreaking terror on people or they're being malicious or whatever. And because they're so twisted up by the fact that they're, that they're evil spirits or whatever, you know what I mean? Like whatever the case is.
0: It's not grandma coming back to show you her bread recipe, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: It's like, well, it's funny because in, in the haunting of Hill house, the series, there is someone who's a bit like benevolent. Right. Like as a ghost, like a lot of other people in there are not, you mm-hmm. know, like a lot of the other ghosts we see, they're menacing, they're actively trying to hurt people. I mean, like, for example, just spoiler alert, uh, but spoiler. by this time, I mean, come on, you got to see it coming, spoiler. right? Spoiler <laughs> um, But similar to some of the stuff that we've seen in other examples of the genre, they're the mother in the in the Hill House show is kind of driven mad by the house or by the ghosts of the house and convinced that the only way to protect her children and keep them with her forever safe from all the dangers of the world is to kill them so that they live on as ghosts in the house together, mm-hmm. right? So she's got her two youngest kids and she's having a tea party and she's gonna, you know, I won't tell you the rest because you didn't nah. see it, but... But this is, we've seen kind of this, right? I mean, like, in the American Horror Story murder house season, it's known by the people in the know that if you die on the grounds of the house, you're a ghost in that house. Yeah. So there's a character in there whose, like, daughter is dying, and she rushes her over to, like, the lawn so she can die there Mm. so she can see her. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And something similar to that happens in the Hill House show, where, like, they someone wants to die in the house so they can be with a loved one ghost that's in the, in the house. house forever.
0: Yeah. It also goes back to like, you know, like our fear of death too, right? We want to live forever. Mm-hmm. And I think if you know there's an afterlife, you live forever. You're not, you're never really dead. So it's just like, all right i passed on this earth, but I go to another earth. I go to another place where I would continue to live. My spirit would continue to be, uh, and I would be able to be with my, my loved ones and continue living for the rest of my life. Like, we have this thing where we want to live forever. Yeah, I mean, that's the religious
1: promise, right? It's like life everlasting and all mm-hmm. that. And I mean, even like... I mean, I was just going to say, actually, like, it seems like through some like spiritual viewpoints, it's almost like a version of hell to be stuck in the house in the afterlife when you're supposed to be able to cross over to that next place and get all the good stuff, you know. Um, But is that it? (laughs) it (laughs) Are we done? I I feel like it was too abrupt, but I ran out of things to say. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think that about covers it for uh, haunted house stories. Jesus. That was a lot to go over. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little, uh, you know, um, uh, aspirational for us to tackle such a big topic <laughs> as our first, first episode that we're just going to like go jump straight into the biggest topic possible. Um, I expect that maybe like future episodes won't be quite as long cause there will be a lot less to cover in certain, uh, more niche mm-hmm. subgenres and whatnot, but hopefully you liked what you heard. Uh, we encourage you to come on back. Um,
0: check, I guess, rate us on iTunes. That's what all the people say, right? Write us on iTunes. Rate us. Oh, uh, rate us. I thought you said write us. I was like, whoa, this, <laughs> is, this is, this is, we're going back in time. <laughs> I'm writing uh, you guys a letter. Yeah, rate us on iTunes or wherever
1: it is that you find your podcasts. Um, Feel free to check us out on our website, which is podmonstersfrommars.com. There'll definitely be some notes corresponding to the stuff we talked about, Mm -hmm. some links to the things that we referenced. Um, Yeah, you can find us on Instagram at pod monsters from mars you can also check us out on twitter at pod monster mars Whoa. because they've got a character limit on your handle and Trey, do you want to tell the people where they might find you, you can find me at uh, on instagram at it's trey usa cool and you can find me at, on instagram and twitter at SpitzMud, mud s-p-i-t-z-m-u-d uh not the most active around there, but I'll, but I'll be there a bit. Norm, give me, Give me a reason. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I guess we'll see you guys next. We'll, we won't see. Fuck it. We'll see you
0: guys next time. <laughs> we'll see you. We'll see you. We'll come <laughs> find you. we go to your house and haunt it. Goodbye. <laughs> Later.